Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're in Acts chapter 17. Acts 17 has really grown in popularity over the last, I don't know, 20 years or so. I think largely because of the rise of secularism in America and in the West in, in, in general. And the reason is because we see Paul taking the gospel outside of a Jewish context. Now we see him everywhere he goes. He begins in the synagogues. Uh, but particularly when he gets to Athens, uh, this, this becomes the primary passage people turn to in order to wrestle with the issues is how do you minister in a context where people are really unfamiliar with, with true Christianity. And Paul gives us uh, some real insight here. But before he gets to Athens, he goes to Thessalonica. And the letters to First and Second Thessalonians, the church there, are among the earliest letters we have in the New Testament probably not earlier than James or perhaps even Galatians. but uh, So this is early in the life of the church. He arrives in Thessalonica. Um, Paul goes in and uh, at a synagogue for three Sabbath days. So for three weeks, he's reasoning with the Jews, pleading with them to embrace Christ as Messiah. Um, and, he, and it says, verse 3, explaining, providing, proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, This Jesus whom, who I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas. And so we really see Paul in his element here. Uh, he's a Pharisee, likely has the Old Testament memorized, and uh, is, is articulating from the Scripture why um, the Messiah came, suffered, died, and was raised from the dead. That was the central story of the Old Testament. Well, some are persuaded, and that, that's the genesis of the Thessalonican church. Verse 5, But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. Now, this, this is bullying behavior, right? This is uh, a mob mentality still around uh, on every side of, of the aisle, it seems like. Uh, but it, this is what bullies do. Uh, you don't reason. You threaten. And, and that's that's what you have going on here. Instead of coming to Paul and say, look, here's where your, your argument falls apart, they rather say, uh, we don't like what you're saying, so we're going to threaten you. Um, and we're going to put the whole city in, in an uproar. And you'll notice here that uh, who, who is in danger is a man named Jason. And um, because of Jason's attachment to Paul, he will be a victim of this injustice and this mob. And it's the way it works today, right? If you are attached to a movement or a person in any way, uh, you then are labeled an enemy. And notice what they say there at the end of verse 6. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another King Jesus. Two things to notice there. One, they're complaining about the Christians turning the world upside down while they're the ones in the streets burning the city down. <laughs> okay, um, Sound familiar? Um, so so that's that's something that, 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 should, that should stick out to us. The other is their accusation that the Christians are saying there is another king, and they are saying that. Uh, the kingdom language is, is um, very present in the text. And so Christians would say, Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. And that was uh, very dangerous to say that because Caesar was godlike. And when you come and say, no, there's a rival king who we follow, who we are more loyal to, that stirs problems. By the way, we're seeing that in our culture right now, isn't it? Because politics is ultimate because 
we've abandoned God, government has, has taken his throne, um, so we think. And, uh, and so you view everything through the lens of politics. We're certainly seeing that now. Well, they escape Thessalonica. They, they leave behind a church. Uh, and then they are in Berea. Notice verse 10, they uh, sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Remember that this chapter is ultimately about perseverance. Uh, they, they leave uh, uh, Thessalonica after uh, people um, get all excited and cause a mob. And what do they go to the next city? And they're going to preach there. And they're going to go to the next city. And they're going to preach there. It doesn't matter what happens. Uh, but they're called to preach. And they're called to lead people to repentance. And they understand part of that is suffering. Uh, that people hate the gospel. Um, verse 11, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed. You think, well, this is good. Imagine being Paul and Silas and Timothy thinking, this is nice. Right? This is what we, we've been looking for, um, is, is to plant a church, uh, lead people to Christ, and uh, move forward. But then we get in verse 13, when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. But we, we talked about this several chapters ago. Um, and and this, is, this is malice. This is where you're driven by hate so much that you would spend your afternoon reading tweets from seven years ago just so you can destroy someone's life. Right, that's it's malice. It's hate, and um, it's amazing, isn't it, that proclaiming that there is good news for you, and peace on earth and goodwill towards men, can drive people to hate. And and that that's what you're seeing here. It's what we're seeing today, now in a post-Christian West. The only thing that has kept humanity from hating itself was the rise of Christianity. Get rid of Christianity, we go back to a little barbarian ways of hating one another. Verse 16, Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked with him as he saw the cities full of, full of idols. So, stirs of trouble, he sent away again. And now he's in Athens. There's not a large Jewish um, uh, population there from, from, from what we see in, in this text. And But rather what he sees is this is a place that loves debate. They love philosophy. Of course, Athens was the center of the Athenian culture, the ancient Athenian culture, where um, Aristotle and um, and, and uh, Socrates and others uh, come from. And so, um, of course, this is <clears throat> continuing. Verse 18, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. Now, don't overlook that. I know we look at these, but well, I don't know what they are, so I'm just going to move on. The Epicurean and Stoics uh, were, were essentially the opposites. Um, one believed in indulging the flesh, the other believed in denying the flesh. Remember that in Greek thought at this time, spirit is good, uh, flesh is evil. Um, so they were spiritual, not religious, right? Um, we, we, we buy into some of this as well today, where we have a bifurcated body and soul. Uh, this is part of what's behind the transgender movement, is, is that, uh, that reality must conform to your feelings. Uh, so if if you feel like you're a boy, but your 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 body says it's it's a girl, your the you, reality has to conform to fantasy, right? And and so so we 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 bifurcate body and soul, um, uh, physical and metaphysical today, um, but we see that that because they believe the spirit is is good, the flesh is bad. 
the, the, the goal was to escape the body. And you could do this by indulging it, as, as one side does, or by denying it, as the other side does. So Paul's talking to everybody here. He's talking to both extremes, the message of the gospel, which is worth mentioning. The gospel should never be hijacked by a political movement or a philosophical cause. Rather, the gospel can stand on its own and thus uh, and deal honestly with various views and perspectives. Some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Don't you love that? Um, now, that's, that's quite an introduction. Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. That's interesting. They perceive that Jesus must be divine. So again, whenever people say that the early Christians didn't proclaim Jesus as divine, apparently haven't read the writings of the first Christians. I don't know. What do I know? And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus. Now notice, this is very different from what we've seen before. Before, when it says, and they took him, usually means before a governor, uh, brought him to prison, brought him before a judge, something like that. But now they're bringing him for the Areopagus where these things are discussed. May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting, for you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So you have a captive audience here. And what will you, you get in verse 22, going all the way down, really to, to, to the end of the chapter, is Paul's sermon there. Remember that Acts uh, features a number of monologues, the first being Peter's. Uh, we, we see several testimonies. Stephen gives um, a great sermon, right? Um, Right, right prior to his death, Paul will give his personal testimony several times later on in the book. Here is one of those sermons. I don't want to spend forever on it. And notice he starts out there in verse 22. Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. Can I give you some insight that will get you kicked off Twitter? Hashtag free speech. Everyone is religious. Saying that I'm spiritual not religious doesn't change the fact. Saying that you don't go to church, therefore you're not religious, doesn't change the fact. You cannot tell me the chaos of the last year that what is driving people is not concern for your neighbor, but worship, idolatry. It's, 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 it's all religion. Now, whether you're, you're lust for power or wealth or whatever it might be is, is the fuel of that religion. It's still religious nonetheless. I would argue that wokeism is very religious. So much so that you will be deemed a heretic and not welcome in the camp if you don't say the right things, go along with what everyone else is, is suggesting. Um, and you will be coerced. You will be made to care. If you dare bake a cake without, a, without approving this stuff, you will be destroyed. Uh, but don't worry, we're the victims, not the bullies. Right? Um, so, anyways, so, so he, he perceives that, and he, he, he says, look, I'm I, going around your city, and I saw an image to an to invisible, unknown God. He says, I want to tell you who that God is. And it's interesting that Paul doesn't begin in Bethlehem. He begins in creation. Why? Because if you're dealing with, uh, within the context where people have read the scriptures and understand them, you begin, you can begin with the story of Jesus. But when someone has a foreign world view, you need to begin with the story of creation, redemption. Creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Paul does that. Look, we, we were all created by God, and, and what we need is to be redeemed. And that is how he gets to Christ. So he says there at the end of verse 30, 
God now commands all people everywhere to repent. You see, so it, it's a different audience than the synagogues, but it's the same fundamental message. Whether you're dealing with a conservative or liberal crowd, a Democrat-Republican crowd, a Chevy or Ford crowd, the, end, the, the message is the same. God commands everyone, everywhere, to repent. Verse 31, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So you see that repentance and resurrection are tied together. Christ is risen from the dead, therefore believe and repent. Verse 32, now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Right? This, this was, there was the belief in the immortality of the soul. This was a, a fascinating debate among the early Christians and the Greek counterparts. Many believed in immortality of the soul. They didn't believe in the resurrection from the dead. There's a big difference here, and I think sometimes we, we still make those old mistakes. Resurrection is a bodily resurrection. God made us embodied beings. He will raise us as embodied beings. Now remember Greek thought. The body is bad. Flesh is bad. The physical world is bad. We must escape the physical world. And so eventually your, your soul will escape and be truly free. It's not the Christian idea. The Christian idea says that God is creator and what he created is good, both a natural and supernatural world. And so the goal isn't to escape one, but rather we see a convergence of both with God as a Lord over it all. So we will be raised bodily from the dead. Now this means practically what you and I do with our bodies really does, does matter. How we treat one another as fellow image bearers really does matter. So we're not trying to escape this world. That day will come. But rather we seek to bring to this world the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Um, so some mocked him, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius, the, the Areopagite, and a woman named Demarius, and others with them. Now, again, here's more examples of Luke giving his eyewitness testimony. We don't really know anything else about these people. I believe Dionysius, if assuming it's the same guy I mentioned later in one of the epistles, I'm probably wrong about that. Um... But we don't have anything else on these these people. So why give them to us? Well, Luke has given us his, his eyewitnesses. Which means the story has strong historical evidence that it really happened. Because God has entered into humanity. That is good news indeed. Now, why does this passage matter so much, particularly the scene in Athens? Because we now inhibit a world like this one. A world like Athens. Many people talk a spiritual game. Many people act with religious motivations. What we lack is the true story of the Creator-Redeemer who's come in the person of Christ, risen from the dead. And that's where you and I come into play. Lord willing, hope to see you guys here tomorrow.